Today on the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, we're talking artificial intelligence. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson, and today we're going to talk to Justin Williams from Tin Man Kinetics, a company that's going after IBM Watson's AIX prize, to find out what his perspectives on artificial intelligence are and how it's going to affect sales and marketing. Listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. All right, just a reminder for everybody, we want to buy you a cup of coffee. In order to do that, all you have to do is go to our website, b2brevexec.com, click on the link for the feedback form, fill that out, and as a thank you for your time and insights, we will shoot you a gift card for a cup of coffee on us. Uh, Please take a second to do that. The information is extremely valuable to us. We want to make sure the show is providing value that you guys want, and I'll I'll thank you in advance for your time. Today, we're going to be talking artificial intelligence. Uh, This isn't something that is just affecting sales and marketing. It's a global concern. There are huge amounts of naysayers, uh, Elon Musk, Stephen Hawking, Bill Gates, a lot of people debating what is AI, what could it become, what should it become, how should we limit it, how will it affect the jobs that we all have and our outlook on the world. In sales and marketing, it's a little bit fuzzier right now. We're still not sure how it's going to affect B2B complex sales, how it's going to affect marketing, even though we're starting to see products kind of creep into the landscape today. What I wanted to do was something a little bit different. Rather than talk about somebody who thinks about AI from a sales perspective, I wanted to talk to somebody who lives and breathes AI on a daily basis outside of sales. Somebody that could probably explain it a little bit better for us, help us get a clear picture of what the future may hold. So we're going to be speaking with Justin Williams. He formed a company called Tin Man Kinetics, and they're going after the IBM Watson AIX prize. It should be an interesting conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the show, Justin. It's good to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Uh, excited to have you on the show today. Talk some artificial intelligence, extremely hot topic today uh, across a lot of industries, not just mine. And looking forward to hearing you know, about how you guys are going after the uh, you know the IBM Watson AI Prize and, and all of that and sharing some of these insights with the customers. So I'm thinking the first place to start is let's just start with your background and, and how did you get into AI? Sure. Um, long background in computer science and technology in general. Um, started my career way back when in 1996, and uh, <laughs> was a very strong introvert at the time. So I wanted to make sure that I was uh, staying away from people as much as possible. So I got into embedded systems programming. <laughs> One um, of the typical types of developers at first who, who likes to stay away from people in dark rooms. Oh, uh, you know, it's it's classic, right? It's, uh, <laughs> my people. Um, (laughs) Life had uh, some different plans for me, though. Uh, Slowly but surely, I got away from microprocessors and assembly code into uh, server technology, and server technology led to front-end development, and and pretty soon I was spending uh, the majority of my time talking to people, um, (laughs) which which turns out it was all right. So um, it's been quite the... uh, uh, quite the path. Um, I really, I really got into software because it was a way to impact people uh, and impact people in a in a big, broad, important way. Um, and again, at the time, without having to talk to them. <laughs> but um, uh, but it turns out there's a lot of ways to uh, scratch that particular motivation. And uh, so I've I've led teams. Um, we worked together at a little agency way back in the day. 
and um, uh, and uh, and and then artificial intelligence really hit the scene in a big way. Uh, there was kind of there's always been an interest, obviously, by a lot of people, including me, uh, for a long time, kind of watching it. And there sort of hit a uh, a milestone where the data got big enough that the artificial intelligence got really good. And um, when I say artificial intelligence, we're still a long ways from uh, you know an Android um, <laughs> that uh, that is human like, right? But but there's there's this suite of tools that kind of broadly we talk about as being uh, early AI that uh, that is really cool. Um, but unfortunately, there's also a lot of negativity around that. There's a lot of snake oil out there. There's some doomsayers. Um, Pretty, uh, pretty famously, Elon, Elon Musk, uh, founder of SpaceX and OpenAI, <laughs> has recently said that um, uh, AI will be the cause of World War III and it should be a much greater concern to Americans than North Korea. <laughs> well, and then Putin comes out and says, whoever, you know, whoever uh, masters AI will rule the world. So you're right. You There's know. definitely a lot of naysayers. <laughs> I mean, Elon's not alone. Yeah. So um, the IBM Watson Artificial Intelligence X Prize came out, and when I saw that, I thought uh, that it really spoke to me about putting the positive spin on AI, because I think the pioneers of AI are really the ones that are going to define what this reality is like down the road, and I wanted to be a part of that. So, so um, let's take a second. So um, our audience is largely sales and marketing people, and there's a, there's a huge topic uh, of AI in sales, but I, but I want to make sure we set some context uh, for our audience first. Now, you and I have had we've had multiple conversations about this. We both geek out on this topic, <laughs> but I, I would love let's start with kind of the the overview from your perspective of what does artificial intelligence really mean? Where are we today versus the the snake oil people that are that are out there? And, and what's kind of the next step? What's the next evolution? Sure, great great question. Very broad question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I probably should have been a little more specific, but I'm just going to let you roll with that one. Well, you know, you really can't be more specific because, um, you know, this thing kind of came out of left field and it is broad. It's it's not one thing. It's kind of a whole industry that's coming to together, uh, which is fascinating to see. So there's, you know, the data science aspects of this that, um, you know, a lot of people think that they were working in statistics and, and doing some of these things for a long time. But now it's it's just become uh, machine assisted and, and something a little bit beyond that. Um, and, uh, there's, uh, all the personalization engines and things that marketers and sales folks, I'm sure are very familiar with that try to, uh, target individuals based on their own activity and some ethnographic, uh, guesses about what they might be like and how they compare to their peers and so forth. There's, uh, the chat bots, um, that are coming to more prominence, uh, IBM Watson, uh, fairly famously used a chatbot and a knowledge engine to beat uh, Jeopardy uh, contestants not too long ago. <laughs> but wasn't that just like a big, super-powered search engine with some, you know, with some linguistic recognition software on the front end? Or was, there, or was there more secret sauce to it? Well, I, I mean, ultimately, that kind of is what we're talking about, right, is... Um, uh, I, I kind of think of uh, of computer science as as branching into traditional physics, if you'll bear with me on this analogy for a minute, and quantum physics. Quantum physics is all about the statistics, and uh, traditional uh, standard physics is all about the the direct equations, right? The direct modeling, 
And um, a lot of machine learning is about the statistics and traditional software is, is about those uh, equations that, that directly inputted from a computer programmer, this is what you're going to do. Uh, but when you kind of hand it over to the statistics, to the data to tell the computer what to do, sometimes you get unexpected results and it can become a black box that a lot of people don't necessarily know how it's coming up with the answers it is. And nobody specifically programmed Watson to figure out how to uh, answer those questions based on Wikipedia entries. It just... Uh, they just fed that information in, and statistically speaking, it kind of figured it out for itself with some uh, a variety of learning techniques. So, I mean, from a so that's that right there is where it gets a little scary, right? It figured it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. It yep. figured it out. So you got you basically take Siri, and I'm oversimplifying. Except just so the audience knows, I have I've, I'm dangerous when it comes to these topics, so I'll oversimplify. But so you have Siri basically plugged into the internet, and they call it Watson, and Somehow it figured out when a question was asked where and how to go find that information and spit it back out. But the where and how it figured that out, what, what's, what, how did that happen? What's that, what's that secret sauce in there? Because to me, that's the, that's the mystery. To the layman, that's the mystery of it. If a programmer didn't tell Watson, okay, when you hear a question and you can tell it's a question based on you know, the, the linguistic structure of the words that you're hearing, you know it's a question and you didn't tell it to go look – um, how, the, how the hell did it figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> um, that language really speaks to one of my great passions for artificial intelligence in general. And uh, that, that's a really great example. And, as, and look at something like Siri. So um, way back in the day, a lot of very, very smart programmers and very, very smart linguists came together and tried to build some really complex rules just around the English language to be able to understand and parse an English sentence and be able to know what is the subject, what is the verb, um, not even what that means, just what are the components of a particular sentence. And those models really kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it just English, it, it's moving very fast. There's, um, uh, there's just a lot of complexity of the rules and very few people use the rules perfectly when they're using English. So, uh, then came along machine learning and we took a huge amount of, uh, of text that came from books that came from, uh, newspaper articles, different things like that. And we said, statistically speaking, you figure it out, computer. Here's some examples of things that we've hand parsed so you can kind of learn from what, we're, what we've hand crafted here. Uh, but then you figure out the rest and see how people are actually using language. And the next thing you know, you're born with Siri or all of these different natural language processing pieces. And again, they don't have meaning behind it necessarily, but they understand uh, how people are using that language. And... Um, and again, uh, and when you get down to the, the root of it, it is a series of uh, weighted learning. Uh, and when I say learning, I mean statistics, right? So it, it said, uh, did this work? Yes. Then it uh, gives that a stronger weight. Did this not work? Then it lowers that weight. And it just uh, does that rinse and repeat over enough data, and it becomes really smart. So then it, be- it really comes down to processing power. How fast can you run those, the statistical analysis to figure out the right path? Yeah, and we haven't even had that kind of power to do this again, except in the last you know decade. If you're going to be generous, uh, so this this really is an exciting beginning of a whole new industry. 
Even if you've been in sales for decades, new technology, new buyers, and new dynamics create challenges your team may not be ready for. Value Prime Solutions enables you to focus on sales, on the prospects and customers, not the noise. And the sales framework you implement with them is simple, scalable, and proven. Check out valueprimesolutions.com and ask how they can help you beat your target. All right, we got a basis for for AI and, and kind of the history of it, where we're at today. So how did where did Tin Man Kinetics come from and what are you guys aiming to do uh, with the IBM Watson uh, AI prize? Yeah. So um, this this prize is a lot different than a lot of other X prizes. If anybody's familiar with those, X prize was uh, is a foundation that uh, launched such things as the SpaceX Prize that launched companies like SpaceX. Um, most X Prize competitions have very few teams. This one was a little bit broader in what it would accept. Uh, and so there was a lot of interest. Uh, 147 teams were accepted in the initial round. We're part of that. And um, and the goal is to answer humanity's grand challenges. Uh, it's as simple as that, is to put a positive uh, impact on artificial intelligence for the benefit of humanity. Um, so Tin Man was the... Uh, uh, <laughs> an original robot that was actually created before the term robot was ever coined. Um, famous for wanting heart and kind of having more heart all along than uh, anybody else. And so we wanted to have technology with heart. Um, and we wanted to, to get rid of the, the kind of the black box around AI, make it a little bit more approachable. Uh, make it accessible to a broader audience, um, not just the the Fortune 100 that have the the money today to be able to invest in it, but uh, medium, even small business can take advantage of this as we start seeing this explosion of artificial intelligence capabilities and platforms. Excellent. And Yep. And you guys, you guys have you have a unique, uh, I thought when we were talking about it, kind of a unique take on what you're trying to to accomplish with storytelling. Can you can you help our audience understand that? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of ways that you can go with that dr- general mission, right? Um, so our particular X Prize entry is uh, is just trying to capture legacy um, and be able to share that with uh, future generations. Is kind of the the short version of this. Um, the invention of paper made the ability to uh, share knowledge easier. The invention of internet and email arguably made it uh, easier, but you also have a little bit of information overload if you're in book <laughs> box and anything like mine at least. Uh, yeah. And uh, and the next evolution of that is going to be twofold. You, you, we want to be able to let people record their stories, uh, but we also want people to be able to to access those stories. Uh, I know my kids aren't ready for a lot of the stories from my family, from my own life. Uh, my father was uh, a cop for a while. You can imagine he's got some oh, wow. some interesting stories. Uh, I had a grandmother that um, in the era of World War II survived uh, a fire um, that uh, burned 90% of her body and she had to learn to paint with her toes while she recovered in the hospital with, with pig skin uh, covering her and losing fingers and stuff and went on to have five kids, including my mother. Um, wow. You know, there's there's a lot of powerful stories and uh, I've got, uh, m- my youngest is uh, just about to turn two 
and she's not really ready for grandma's stories yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what a what a source of strength and inspiration and some of the darker sides of this, too. Right. There's there's some family history that we can learn from that isn't always positive. Um, and I want to be able to, to capture that. And when she's ready to be able to have her have natural language conversations that uh, that let her explore these stories and let those stories remix in a way that's specific to her. And so that's that's the root of our competition project is to be able to uh, to take Siri that understands language pretty well, uh, improve that, and then also uh, dramatically improve the the uh, natural language generation or the the talking back part of um, of AI and and have some meaning and and uh, cultural stories and preservation is a heart of that. So, and so correct me if I'm wrong, as I think through this, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, paper was invented. Now you can share the knowledge, you can capture it. Uh, internet comes along and like you said, information overload and a, and a, and quite frankly, let's be honest, a bunch of crap. Um, <laughs> and, and this seems to me like a return almost to the oral tradition, but in a much more interactive uh, manner that isn't constrained by the life cycle of the storyteller. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. I think there's a lot to get from more of the oral tradition uh, in the digital age, and there's not really been a way to do that until artificial intelligence. Excellent. Okay. So now when we think about, I mean, storytelling is obviously a big topic in, in sales and marketing too. People are trying to, they understand the power of stories, right? Especially this audience should understand uh, you're much better off when you're doing a complex sale, uh, telling a story rather than saying, Hey, my product does X, Y, and Z and go into features and benefits. Um, but we're seeing AI pop up in really odd Eh, maybe not odd. Maybe it's just the first places it's popping up. But everybody's talking about AI in sales. And you see it sometimes in uh, the, the latest example I saw is there's a new software product. I think it just came out or it's in beta called Balto software. And essentially they say, and I don't know how it works. You probably can decipher this. But essentially if, if I'm on a call like with you, this program is running in the background and it's actually giving me visual cues on my screen as I am talking to you and it's telling me, okay, they just put you on mute or based on that response, they're not paying attention. They're not getting it or you're talking too fast. Right. And that to me doesn't seem to fulfill the whole promise of AI, but it's a very unique application in sales that may not get in the way of the actual sales process, right? The concern becomes some of these AI tools, I think, have the risk of becoming uh, far too invasive in the sales process and delaying the human connection. So I'm kind of curious, maybe that goes back to the doomsayer uh, stuff with Elon Musk, <laughs> but, but I'm curious if you think about you know, sales is people buy from people, at least today, <laughs> people buy from people and they want to trust. Can you see other scenarios where you think AI will be a great application in, in complex sales and marketing situations? Yeah, I actually really like that example. I'm not sure the execution is ideal, but um, but I like that it's people buying from people still. Because I think one of the core goals that we have is that we think that technology should empower people. It should supercharge people with artificial intelligence. Uh, it's not something that should replace people. Uh, when I look at the future of Jeopardy, I see a bunch of contestants, uh, each of them with their own version of Watson and their own uh, transparent version that they understand how Watson is, is coming up with uh, helpful strategies 
uh, for them and competing with each other um, at sort of a level that humans never could and then machines couldn't without people. Uh, you already see this with uh, some chess competitions out there actually is have a bunch of people uh, assisted by AI, but still it's a it's a partnership. It's not a replacement. And so that idea of artificial intelligence helping you along the way and evaluate a situation, especially when it may be difficult, uh, especially like, for instance, over a phone call where you don't have body language to sort of give you back that body language, um, sounds like a really good application to me because I don't think that, uh, that anytime soon we're really looking at useful techniques that replace people outright. Um, even down at the, the lowest levels at the grunt stuff, you see some of the, uh, some of the fast food chain stores, uh, replacing people with automated kiosks, kiosks yeah. right? <laughs> um, you know, where's your, where's your management going to come from? If you cut the bottom out of the bottom rung of the ladder out from your workforce, uh, you know, is there a way to maybe make those people more efficient, more accurate, uh, you know, supercharge them, make them be able to do more with less uh, without replacing them outright and really harming yourself in the not too distant long term, uh, as we're already seeing, actually. And that, that balance is interesting, right? I was, I was talking to Gabe Larson. He's the VP of Inside Sales. And we were talking about kind of how sales has swung from, you know, there was, you know, people that did every, uh, did everything right back in the day, then technology comes in and now we've kind of over-specialized in sales. So you have SDR who sets appointments and then an AE mm -hmm. account manager who, who actually talks to them. And, you know, it's gotten to the point where specialization and, and there's some debate on this, but specialization may actually be getting in the way. And he used this analogy of, of tech being able to create kind of that Iron Man salesperson. Like you have a Jarvis that you're working with that Jarvis in and of itself is cool. Uh, but there is a power, uh, in that, in that partnership between the two, uh, that makes both parties better. Now the question becomes, you throw in the millennials, right? And we've got in sales, there's a whole nother <laughs> challenge with millennials. Uh, these are, these are people that have grown up with technology, right? They're used to looking at their phones. I mean, you and I used to talk about the stats, like people, literally millennials will roll over and pick up their phone before they're touch their significant other. Right? So, <laughs> so they're very, they're very used to this technology. And, and I can see that I can see it becoming very powerful when they partner with it. But my concern would become, does it run the risk of making and maybe this is broader than just sales, but does it run the risk of making salespeople or just people in general lazier at being human? Hmm. Well, um, I think if there's not a lot of work to be done, then it runs at risk. Uh, from my perspective, I never have enough hours in the day, so <laughs> I don't know about that. But, uh, but I think one, one interesting point to, to kind of emphasize here is the next phase of AI, which is a huge focus of our project for XPRIZE, is semantic AI. That's uh, the meaning uh, behind, uh, you know, words, the meaning behind the actions and so forth. It's kind of taking that black box and making it transparent. And it's also as varied as there are meanings to, uh, to, to doing any given task. So to back that up a little bit, you know, ask three people the meaning of life and you'll get six answers, right? <laughs> um, yeah. 
there's no one there's no mathematical right answer to meaning and that's why it's such a difficult problem in artificial intelligence so when we are talking about uh, storytelling it's a little bit easier because we can put some some confines and some personalization and we can say what that meaning of that story is supposed to be but uh, what you'll see is that as artificial intelligence gets better and starts partnering with people more, it's going to reflect the person it's working with more. And that means that you'll have very different results from that millennial versus the seasoned sales professional. Even though the millennial will be assisted and superpowered in incredible ways, their approach will be different. And the artificial intelligence, the semantics behind that, uh, if this is done well, is going to reflect that. And there's there's an infinite number of combinations of uh, people and AI-assisted uh, approaches out there that that's just going to <laughs> to paint the universe in all kinds of interesting colors. Well, and that and it gets close to. I mean, not <laughs> this may say more about me than the audience wants to know, but to me, it almost sounds like the AI would have borderline personality disorder. And yes, everybody, <laughs> that is a that is a DSM qualification. Don't ask how I know that or why. Uh, interesting childhood, but anyway, I mean, if the AI starts to take on or augment. Like if you and I were given the same set of AI and its exposure to us as people kind of shapes itself, then there isn't, uh, maybe that reduces the fear that there's one cognitive Skynet, right? That everybody, it's a Terminator reference, guys, right. for the young ones. Uh, <laughs> Skynet kind of thing where there's this one consciousness, digital consciousness. And I think that's what, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's what scares the crap out of people is that it yeah. gets to the point where, you know, all the doomsayers say humanity is a virus and let's, you know, launch the bombs. If you incorporate and meld the humanity into the AI uh, and, they, and they amplify each other, I think, am I wrong in thinking that probably there's some reduction of risk associated with that approach? I think that's absolutely true. That was the goal of Elon Musk's, uh, Musk's uh, open AI initiative. Um, it was to make uh, AI kind of for everybody. And, uh, and honestly, it's just the natural progression. You know, we had mainframe computers back in the day, uh, and then we had personal computers and personal devices. And sure, there's a lot of cloud computing, but that personalization, uh, w no matter where it lives and exists, is going to be just the natural course that this is going to run. We're going to all have multiple agents that are acting on our behalves that are more like us than they are our friends who have their own agents. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Justin, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I, you and I could talk about this for hours. Um, if, if there's people listening that want to get more information on Tim Man Kinetics or connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Sure. Um, just shoot us an email. Hello at tinman.io is a good way to do it. Um, and uh, happy to talk more. Really appreciate the time today, Justin. This has been great. Can't thank you enough for uh, coming on the show and wish you guys the best luck with the prize as possible. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, that does it for this episode of the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I am your host, Chad Sanderson, and want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Uh, please go to the website, click on the link, uh, fill out the feedback form, b2brevexec.com. Click on that feedback form, and we'll shoot you a $5 gift card for a cup of coffee on us. Uh, if you've got feedback for us on the show or would like to get in touch with us, uh, LinkedIn, obviously, for myself, or just shoot us an email at accelerate at valueprimesolutions.com. Share the, the podcast out with friends, family, and coworkers. Let people know it's out there. And if you get a chance, please write us a review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate that. Until next time, we at Value Prime Solutions wish you and yours nothing but the greatest success. 
You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.